we are live. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm going to hold it against you guys. If, if not many of you show up, we know it's a very heavy topic. We know that it's, yeah. it's hard and we understand. It's something you just watch after we post the, the final edit and you want to watch it in segments. Understandable. We tried our best to kind of like work our way up to a level five, not because we're trying to filter it in any way, no filters, no fears, but because this is equally difficult for us in the research, even in our conversation. I think we get so like flabbergasted by the statistics and by the actual information that you feel like, like frozen about it. But when the, the heavier we get into the conversation, the more emotional it gets because you start attaching actual humans to these scenarios and it becomes very difficult. Yeah, once you put a face to a name and vice versa, you realize yeah. how difficult it is. How pervasive it is, how it's everywhere. It's very out in the open and a lot of people don't know how to, to, to recognize it. You're very welcome. We are trying to get the topic out there. Hello, everybody. My name is Chuby. And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to No Filters, no, no, Fears no Fears Podcast. Podcast. Today's elephant is a five. And if you are not able to stay, it's okay. We understand. We'll start at the top like we always do with a definition. Human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Every year, millions of men, women, and children are trafficked worldwide, including right here in the United States. With that being said, we have to stop perpetuating the idea that it is foreign, it is not, it is here in our own backyard. And most people think how can it be? This is, you know, the United States of America, land of the free, and all that good stuff, and that doesn't happen. And land of the free. <laughs> yeah, you mean limited. And when most people, what most people don't understand is that human trafficking is a multi-billion-dollar industry. We we talked about it. Uh, we touched about it. The English words today. We no, touched we on it in the tech episode a bit where we talked about the black market and the fact is that you know on on the dark web you're not just finding um weaponry and things like that you're fight that's that's where pedophiles have a parade that's where people are are, are trafficking human lives and it affects children and adults it's not and men and women right um first place that our mind goes to is that this is solely a sexual deviance or a sexual uh connection trafficking is just for sex there's many there's three different types um but the sex one we, you know we it does affect women young women the most but 35 percent of victims of sexual human trafficking are boys I was just saying to Chubi before before we started that there's, you know, this these moments of like facts, taka 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 taka, and when you hear it back, when you just heard yours, like when you're reading it is one thing, you're doing the research and you're reading it, it's one thing, but when you say it out loud, it becomes surreal. 
you reminded me of I don't know if you guys remember, but back in the early like 2000, 2008, I'm gonna say there was this um, web page called Backpage. Do you guys remember that page? Shout out. They were doing third parties, um, people, you know, advertising of human trafficking. But Backpage got away with it because they were like, those are third parties. It's like they weren't looking at the, who was posting on these things and they legally got away with it in court while these um, girls got kidnapped or, you know, human traffic into this and Backpage's goddamn website got away with it because they said, we have no responsibility. The contract says, third, you know, if you're a third party vendor, we do not have anything to say to that, you know? And that and I that wasn't the first case I've heard of such thing. My first case of anything human traffic related, and I was um, just getting to college, you know. And I was myself a, a eighteen year old, nineteen year old person, you know. And that was scary to hear that, you know. But you also have to um, keep in mind that Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, they all do it too. But Craigslist, so many of us use Craigslist. Craigslist, oh, even Craigslist. But what you have to do is obviously they claim that there's no evidence to this and blah blah blah. But there has been, you know. But you get you reported, you shut it down, so this doesn't continue happening, you know. So obviously nobody's gonna be like, oh, that's never been happening on Facebook. Yes, there is. They just use different names now, you know. They don't use yeah. the names that they used to use in the 90s. So, or early 2000s, I should say, when the uh, internet was prominent. You know what I mean? You want to read the three definitions? There are different types of human trafficking, right? There's sex trafficking, there's forced labor, and there's domestic servitude. So with sex trafficking, we have sex trafficking victims are manipulated or forced against their will to engage in sex acts for money. Uh, they might use violence, threats, manipulation, or promises of love and affection to lure their victims, which is another part that we'll get to because sex trafficking is the most prevalent type of human trafficking all over the world. Right. And before I continue, that's another thing I want to say. A lot of us act like it's not something that happens in the U.S. It's something that we like toss to other countries and, uh, you know, on the other side of the ocean. And it's not. It very much happens here. We're amongst the top three countries. Like the United States, the con continent is one of the top three. But then you have, uh, what is it? It was Philippines. Mexico and Philippines. I think other countries, but like U.S., uh, the U.S. as uh, as a whole, um, forced labor. Victims of forced labor can be found in factories, farms, construction work, and more. Victims forced to manufacture or grow products that we use and consume every day through force, fraud, uh, coercion. Victims are made to work for little or no pay. Um, and then, of course, we have domestic servitude. Um, traffickers sometimes take these victims' identification papers and travel documents in order to limit their freedom. Victims of domestic servitude are hidden in plain sight, forced to work 
in homes across the United States. They are prisoners working as nannies, maids, and domestic help. Every year in the United States, thousands of human trafficking cases are reported, but many more go unnoticed. And I think that's the scarier part. Talked to Chubi earlier about, and I, I had seen it on TikTok, and then I went delving more because this um, young Haitian woman went on TikTok and talked about um, enslavement of humans and how we talk about it it's as though it's such a foreign thing. But human trafficking is often put together with uh, slavery, right? And the, the, these organizations that help to bring awareness to it and to do these rescue missions, because that's exactly what it is, rescue missions. They also put slavery because um, it happens in plain sight and people don't even notice. And what she was explaining was that in Haiti, to this day, there are people that live in Haitian homes that are not part of the family, but they get raised, they get education, food and whatnot, but they can't really leave. So they just serve this family and that gets passed on to whoever their kids are and so on and so on. And that's still something that happens. Often so many people act like slavery was such a, you know, back in the day. And no, we still have enslaved peoples in the world. We had talked about this. So because uh, sex trafficking is the top, the, the biggest, um, you had the, the top, the top three states in the United States. I mean, we know that it happens overseas, but I think that it's fair and important to talk about what's happening in our own backyard because hopefully it cultivates a, a attitude or a desire to learn more about what's happening all over the world because like we've discussed in past episodes, it's only a matter of time before things like this hit us, you know, directly. And it does happen in our backyard. Another thing that we, we need to stop living in a bubble that the United States is such a perfect fucking country when it's not, you know, it, it has a lot of faults, like every other country, every part of the world. But yes, the United States, the top three states is California, Texas, and then Florida being number three. So in that order, in that order Yes, California to this day is the largest state to have, um, I mean, sorry, the highest human trafficking since 2019. And this is Florida, and it just keeps on growing. For us who grew up here in Florida, you know, Miami, let's say, um, we knew 79th Street was the, the hottest thing, you know, Miami, Florida. You know, but obviously being a teenager, being a, a young adult, you don't consider that to be human trafficking until you obviously get educated on on the fact that, wow, these women, these people that were just standing there are actually there against their own will. You know, and growing up in a city that is the highest, Miami is the highest in the state of Florida, then Tampa, then, you know, you continue all around the coast or however you want to say it, you know, all the way to um, I believe even, I forgot, was it Hollywood? I'm not too sure, but yeah. I got some deets here for you. Sex <laughs> trafficking is the most prevalent form of human trafficking. And, th and this is the reasoning. And let this simmer with you because if reading it was dehumanizing, imagine what it is to be in the thick of it. 
Sex trafficking is a high-profit, low-risk business where the commodity, the human being, the human being's body, can be sold repeatedly. Unfortunately, sex trafficking is a problem in the United States because there is a high demand for child pornography and prostitution. Commercial uh, sexual exploitation includes prostitution, pornography, live sex shows, stripping, personal sex servitude, escort services, mail order brides, military prostitution, and sex tourism. Children and teenagers are the most at risk for any of these. We said we were going to mention this, so I'm going to bring it up and about we are not talking about consensual sex work like sex people who participate and that that's their livelihood that's a whole different topic we're talking about people doing this against their will people that have been targeted directly and pulled into a life that they did not ask for and that's where the grooming um part begins just like many things, we had the addiction episode and we talked about how obviously it's a lot easier for people in, in, in certain demographics to fall victim to yeah. addiction and things like that because they are because it is targeted, you know, uh, impoverished communities are target minorities are targeted um, for these kinds of, of things and when it comes to human trafficking, um, it's not like somebody woke up one day and be like, I'm going to go to this guy. I know he does human trafficking. I need to make a few extra dollars. So I'm going to go there. Right. That That is not the case. Um, I, th- I think a lot of people have heard, if not through Netflix, through life, the case of Jeffrey Epstein. He wasn't necessarily trafficking people outwards. It was all for his personal use, but it's the same general idea, right? And there you can talk about it being, you know, um, slavery to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the basic stages of grooming for sexual exploitation, targeting the victim, gaining their trust and information, right? Obtaining information about the victim is key. This can be done through casual conversation with the victim, parent. Or with the parents, which you've got plenty to say on that. (laughs) Then it's filling a need, right? Filling that need. Information gained allow traffickers to fill the need of the victim's life, making the victim dependent on them in some way. Gifts, friends, you know, beginning of a loving relationship or buying soft drugs and alcohol. Then there's isolation. The trafficker creates times to be alone with the victim. The trafficker will also begin to have a major role in the victim's life and attempt to distance the victim from friends and family. Abuse begins. Trafficker begins claiming the service must be repaid, whether through money spent on cigarettes or drugs, car rides, or mobile phones. In most cases, the trafficker demands sex as payment for these services. And then, of course, they maintain control. The trafficker maintains control of the victim through threats, violence, or fear, or blackmail. So you have the most at risk people. Okay. Yeah, be, because these are well, these are low risk people. The 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 people that are being targeted, the the ones that don't have that many family or friends as well, or the ones that are always isolated are the easiest ones to get, you know, trafficked. I, exactly what you're saying. They have less of a chance of getting in trouble or getting caught or somebody like calling them out. 
because they do target either addicts or those that are on the street trying to get away from family or maybe somebody who's still within the home, but they're like, I want to get away from my mom or my dad. All they do is criticize me and da 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 it's easy to kind of change the narrative in their mind and pull them in the direction. Right. They start, like you said, they start befriending them. Hey, I have this for you. If you need anybody, come talk to me. If you, you know, you need money, just give me a call. I'm here for you. And that's how they slowly start the grooming process, you know, of, you know, slowly changing them into, or, you know, becoming a human trafficked sex slave or, you know, prostitute or whatever and and it's so slowly that's why they call me grooming that they don't even realize it's happening until it's already too late and they're in the middle of god knows what and they don't know how to pull themselves out of it and it's also sadly such a psychological thing because so many of these individuals have this need to be loved and really what needs to be fulfilled is not just the, the basic need of money, food. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's that need for love and affection and to be wanted and belong. And these traffickers take advantage of that, right? <sighs> Don't cry. And 80, 83% of the sex trafficking occurs literally before the age of 23. So these are nine-year-olds, 10, 12, you name it. The younger you are and the longer you are in it, the longer it, it is for you to get out of it. Yeah. The the more you start to feel that this is the only thing you're kind of owed in life. And that's such a, it's such a sad thing to think about because it becomes this affinity towards the abuser, right? Where it's like, well, they saved me from equis. And, and in some cases, it's not even that because in the, the ones that are not in plain sight, the ones that we don't see, they get kept in some pretty scary places, isolated, even from the person trafficking them. Yeah. And they know no other life but where they sleep to where they go and have to do what they have to do. And then back. They're treated like, like animals, like not that animals should be treated that way either, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're treated as less human. A lot of it is because a lot of them have been on the street or addicted or they're runaways in any way. A lot of people dismiss it and don't look for it being something that they've been dragged into something even worse. They just assume that people keep falling back into it because because they want to. They don't they don't realize that it's more it, it it's makes more money for the trafficker for them to be doped up what i am um, obviously realized not obviously but, but like what i've noticed also is that being in 2021 and having technology as so accessible it is actually easier for trafficking to happen you know to anybody now now this is a different target because you don't have to be a runaway or you don't have to be a drug addict or you don't have to be you know um you know into prostitution you don't have to be any of those you could be a normal person like you and i doing our stuff and all of a sudden we see somebody or you know somebody is reaching out to us and we think they're a normal person and we become friends with them and all of a sudden we're in a freaking human trafficking ring yeah and and that is, that is scary. 
elections happen all the time or people okay. getting jobs in certain places, salons and spas, right? Oh, the worst. They're the top places for human trafficking to occur. They get, they get hired and they think it's that, and you know, it's funny because we were talking about this before too, where like you start to question people who stay in certain situations and unintentionally place a judgment on that call that they make in in that time of why did you stay in that job if you knew it was this or why did you say yes to that? And yes, that's what's logical to us. We weren't in that situation. We weren't right. in the situation that led them to this place. So it's really, it's a really, and I called it before and I'll call it again. It's a mind fuck. Yeah. Because you want to, to understand and feel empathetic, but at the same time you question why you couldn't have just done this, but it's like, it's really easy from the outside to say, right. I would have just walked out. What are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Fear is crippling. It, it is. And everybody, everybody has, uh, we've talked about, this is why we have the elephant. Everybody gets triggered by different things. We don't know what'll trigger that fight or flight mode or, or that freeze mode because some people don't fight or flight. They just freeze. freeze. So it's very difficult to place judgment. And at the same time, it's so difficult to not wonder why someone can pull themselves out of certain situations. It's just like you said, I psychological. They're already so deep into it that they're, you know, they're not able to get themselves out. You know, I've watched countless of documentaries of human trafficking and, and women talking about why and how and how they were in their mentality at that time at that moment and how it was just difficult because everything you've known to be in in that world when you were in is all you know what are you going to do so now you have these what ifs what if i get out what am i going to do with my life or you know and then you're so used to a pattern of you know your daily life of going out there and doing your thing that what are you going to do now so that also scares them, you know? It's so unfortunate. It's like how people may, you know, find themselves in the, in those situations. Uh, we had discussed earlier about how sometimes, because a lot of those that are in human trafficking are children. And when I say children, I'm not talking about seven, eight-year-olds that have, you know, they're cognizant of their surroundings. I'm talking about in raids that shut down human trafficking rings. There have been babies found, newborn babies, one-year-olds, two-year-olds. I'm saying it's making me sick. And it's, and these children are found in these situations. They're not in a capacity to consent or fight back or run away from. Um, and they were put into this situation either because they were bred into the situation. That's the thing. Sometimes family use their, their, their children as a means to get away from a certain situation, you know? So they were like, oh, do this for us so we could get medicine for whoever or so we, we could have a better life or, you know, X, Y, and Z. So they are now making this child 
do something that they have no consent like they can't have no child has consent on, on on this like sometimes a family will sell the child of a murder right. even yeah. young and you know there are those that sell them out of ignorance hoping that their child will have a better life because right. they are sold a bill of goods like i'm gonna give your kid this great life and you know and i can't adopt because i can't go you know i can't adopt because it costs too much money but i can give you money uh, yada yada for this and i'll take your kid and i'll give him a great life and unknowingly they put their child in a very bad situation and then there's those that sadly know exactly what they're selling their child into and do it anyway and that that's even scarier but these are different scenarios of how a kid can end up. And I think the saddest one is that cycle of they're not even coming from a family. They're coming from another abused um, traffic human. Right. Being passed and around. That cycle just continues. Well, you just reminded me of something also. In 2000, in 2000 this has to do with the um, overseas trafficking. In, oh, in 2000, the Congress passed the Victim of Trafficking and Violence Protection Act, which made it possible for an undocumented human trafficking victim to receive a special T visa. With that, with that being said, is that some undocumented um, people, they do not report their abuse or their, their tra being trafficked or their situation because they are afraid that they're gonna get sent back to you know their country you know? and they they're afraid of that so now with this act with this act they have a visa the visa is called especially it's called the t visa and this visa helps them get out of this situation where they're you know did so so this visa is out there for those who are in you know need of help and they feel like there's no way out there's actually help for them so that's good to i didn't know about that visa that is yeah. a, i'm gonna just cross that out um good information to have what i was saying was that in the 80s and 90s there was serious changes to laws and policies and protocol for fostering uh, foster parents and adoption agencies because what they were finding was that, and it still happens re regardless of these changes, but a lot less, um, foster parents were fostering kids and taking advantage of children that weren't finding homes before the age of 18 to kind of just have them as servants. Right. And make money off of them by having them go to other houses and do work and whatnot, or to be servant to their actual, to their, to their children, to their um, biological children. And the same thing with adoption, people were adopting not for wanting the child, but to, to profit from the child. And so they've got, they got a lot stricter. The adoption and fostering system is still pretty crappy. Um, but 
that's why they've started doing these like investigations on people that want to adopt and you have to get approved, et cetera, because it was such a severe problem. Um, I can only imagine the amount of sex trafficking, but the major problem was children being used for domestic labor. I don't know. You, you, we sit here and we're like saying all these facts and all these things. And it's like, right now, uh, we speak. Um, there are children being transported in a fucking 18 wheeler, God knows where women, kids, men. Yeah. And it is fucking scary. Like I, like, I don't know how, I mean, obviously this is why we're, we've done, we are doing this episode because we want to bring, you know, more awareness to it, even though we know it's there, but we need to actually sit here and, 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 think what can I do, you know? And everybody lives in a bubble and I've said it before and I don't, if that offends you, well, you know, you live in a bubble then, the shoe fits, right? And yeah. and and people don't wanna talk about it. And then they're like, oh, why are you being so negative? Why are you talking about it? It's not about being negative. We're bringing awareness to a topic that is prevalent, you know? It's here, it's here now, it's in your face. You probably saw somebody that, is being human trafficked, you know, that it is, you know, and you didn't know. I'm having this issue of having to be on my phone now. Would you be so kind as to share? I had sent you some red flags for recognizing someone who is potentially being human trafficked. Could you read those? Because I cannot. Yeah, I had some as well. Um, oh, mashup. Yeah, so I'm reading both. So some of the red flags will be like um, chronic runaway, homeless youth, um, having goods or services they cannot afford, excessive amount of cash, carries multiple hotel keys, signs of branding, tattoos and jewelry are mainly one of the highest signs, like especially tattoos that, you know, the, the pimp would, you know, use to brand um the 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 victims what should we say the um restricted or scripted communication so meaning that they have a script that they say all the time in any scenario that they're in they use the same language and they they can't you know get away from that physical injuries or sign of uh, um signs of abuse lying about the age is the biggest one um, false identification, um, appear scared or nervous, always jittery. Um, they do not make eye contact. That's another one. Lack of knowledge about where they are and, and um, where they are and why. Signs of psychological trauma and abuse, anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, panic attacks, or lack of emotion. Typ typically has someone with them at all times. This person may seem controlling and that is another sign. Um, they may appear malnourished. Um, yeah, like I said, like in possessions at all times. So those are some of the red flags to look out, you know, in a person when being in public, of course. And and sometimes sometimes you're right. Sometimes a person is like shy, but no, these signs are extreme, and then you can tell that it goes beyond 
being shy or introverted person where they're like to a whole nother level, you know? And also we, we discussed that since sometimes um, the people that we might notice, we know them to be addicts. We think that it's just part of their attitude and, and, or like, these are the friends that they're keeping. Right. But to keep an extra lookout because that person may not necessarily be with them all the time, you know, unless they're being used for other purposes other than just, you know, this is my dealer or whatever. They're not going to be around all the time. You know what I'm saying? So um, a lot of us tend to, to push away when, um, when the, when the people in our lives fall into addiction. But if we look out for those things, not just wanting to help them as an addict, but there might be another reason outside of themselves that's keeping them in that situation. Right. I'm going to do a uh, 411 with Shuby so we could get these facts out. Um, sorry, yeah. this information out. So 411 with Shuby starts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as many of you know, I've been um, a part of this a couple of organizations that I'm going to share with you all for a couple of years now and like six, seven years, depending. And they're dear to my heart. And I I love what these people have are doing. I'm gonna cry now, I'm gonna go cry. No. It just sucks that this, this is a thing. That this is actually a fucking thing, you know? And, and mind you, I'm not saying that obviously slavery was a fucking thing so obviously it's still here but i still can't believe it's still here you know so okay so one of the organizations that i i've been a part of is called a121 um they started in 2008 they're you know they're about they're wow english i can't even whew. What they do, you know, they try to abolish, they're trying to abolish slavery, you know, through awareness and intervention and aftercare. Um, Christine Kareen and her husband, um, Nick, sorry, Kane, sorry, Nick Kane, they're the founder and CEO of this company. Um, Christine was in an airport when she saw this little girl who looked like her daughter, and she realized that. She didn't. She 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 couldn't believe that it's still prevalent. So she's like, I need to do something about it. So then she decided to go forward with this a a twenty one um campaign and you know started started this. Yeah, every time I hear like remember the story, just like it's scary. You're in a, going in an airport, minding your own life, and all of a sudden you see a fucking poster, you know. Yeah you seen me or mm -hmm. see me and it's like so uh, so this is one of one of the organizations the next one is called ended it's called the ended movement they started in 2013 they shine light on slavery they also um you know through awareness prevention rescue and restoration and I joined them like four years ago, I believe in this one. It was started by two sisters in uh, 2013. Yeah, by Frankie 
and Tommy, sorry that their names start with a Y-E at the end. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. And they also too decided that it's fucking time to end it, <laughs> to stop it. So I, I really like what they're doing with their um with with their company, with their you know organization. Now this one, the next one that I'm gonna talk about, it's that this one hit me hard. It's called Love One Forty Six, established in two thousand and four by Rob Rob Morris, Lamont Hibbert, Caroline Ham, and Desaria Rogers. I butcher your names. I apologize. They were actually overseas. I forgot exactly where, and they were doing a documentary on this. And I believe it was Rob who saw this girl with her number 146 and she was being trafficked. And he said in the story that when he looked at her, he saw hope, he saw love, and he saw, you know, just hope, you know, to get out of there. So they named the, the organization 146 after her. So ever since then, you know, they try to end child trafficking and exploitation. So that company is, um, that company, that organization is, is one of the ones that I'm really attached to as well because no child should be going through this. Then the last one, which I've joined, um, actually it was last year, is called Unchain at Last. And, um, it was established by Freda Rice. Race, sorry, again, butchering everybody's name. She um, started in 2011, and she helps women leave arranged and forced marriages. And this also goes through human trafficking, that that's how they get to it as well. And, right, exactly. She was one herself. So... And she stayed, I believe she said eight years and she went through it herself, was with this, obviously arranged marriage, she wanted to be in, um, abused, you name it. And she, while being in this marriage, she went to, she got her degree. She saved a ton ass of money, don't know the actual amount. She, she said it, she said it before in her story and she got herself out. And the reason why um, this comp this organization exists is because if you're under 18 and you're married, you're not allowed to go and say, I wanna, I wanna get a divorce because you're not old enough. So some, you're under age for certain things that you wanna do. So if they allow these young girls to get a divorce, at whatever age they're in because of the situation they're in, they wouldn't be in it. But in the United States, you have to be over 21 legally to cut, to, to get a divorce. So she started this on chain at last because she was in that position where she could not get out because she wasn't old enough to, to sign papers legally to get herself out. And that happens with a lot of girls because and then you can't go to a a youth center because you're not old enough either to say, I need to get out of this. So it's just a cycle. 
with no help. So that's why many of them feel like there is no way out for them because now you have to be legal age. They just married me off at 12. So you're telling me that I'm old enough for that, but I'm not old enough to say I want a divorce. So that's why she started on chain at last. And, and I, and I um, began to participate with them and bring awareness to that because that is bullshit. This whole cycle of like, you need legal and then you don't have any legal documentations because you know, when you get, um, you know, married off, you your paperwork and this and that. It was a lot. I know it was a lot, but much necessary. I, I'm I'm really happy to see organizations like those existing and that they serve different aspects of human trafficking and slavery. Um you know I was I had told you about that one guy, that rich dude, who said that he was tired of his money just being money. And he wanted to put it to good use. And so he put his money into organizations like this. And he took it a step further by really researching what human trafficking was about. And he went as a volunteer to kind of be, um, it was it was like, it's not a stakeout, but similar. They used him as bait in a way uh, for a trafficker. So he went as though he was a buyer he was able to infiltrate and whatnot. And then it, the raid happened. And when he saw everything that went into this, he's like, okay, my, it's, it's more than just my money. And so he trained himself to be a part of these uh, raids and um, missions to, to close down um, trafficking rings. And he said that it was in finding children in musty warehouses alone, malnourished, that he knew that he had to do so much more than just throw money at it. Right. right. And like you say all the time, reading is essential. The more he read and the more he experienced it firsthand, like for a lot of us, we may not have that ability to show up firsthand and be a part of these raids, but in educating ourselves more and bringing awareness to it, and just ourselves being more knowledgeable about it. Because in reading a lot of these things, I realized how much I didn't know and how close to home it really is. And we keep perpetuating the idea that this is a third world country situation. And it is not. It is a global situation. I don't know when it happened that humanity became so good at compartmentalizing where problems be, be, like belong to one more than another. Right. But it's really something that I hope we eradicate in time because we're causing ourselves and each other so much freaking harm and acting like certain communities are above the difficulties of another. You know, watching a documentary on how Washington, D.C., has has a high ch child trafficking yeah and people wouldn't think that oh washington capital why that wouldn't happen there it's happening literally everywhere it's the magnitude it's the amount it's the numbers right that is impactful because we're not talking a couple of thousand 
So what was it in 2018, India was the leader in human sex trafficking Mm -hmm. with like a staggering number of 40.x million. And then it was China and then it was, I don't remember, but it was like 8 million, millions, millions. And then here at home, you said it, California is top ranking for human trafficking. And it's really interesting because we've seen some celebrities. It is such a a, a shushed situation, right? Because of the other attention that it could potentially bring to it. And then it gets masked as a different problem. But, you know, if, if we've learned anything with time and with repeating of mistakes is that you can't just continue to treat a symptom. You have to treat the cause. Right. Right. So, um, so I, I guess in that, in celebrities trying to make these organizations that benefit, you know, the homeless youth and things like that, it's attempting to fix, you know, what it could lead to because that's, those, those are the ones that get targeted. Uh, But I remember Miley Cyrus being really open and really um, out there in in the media about um, her organization for um, homeless youth in Los Angeles. Now I understand why. Especially the LGBTQ as well. Oh, man. They're high risk as well, especially, you know, obviously when you come out or, you know, what happens after that. And the majority of homelessness as well are, are teenage um, LGBTQ, you know. It's very unfortunate. And like we said at the beginning, we're not therapists. But these are things that affect us. And like, in, in, in learning about it makes us very aware that, um, you know, there, there's something that we can do. And if what we can do is talk about it, um, find out information, share the what it makes us feel. You know, there's a lot to be, we always talk about the importance of vulnerability and being vulnerable about how this affects us. It's the uncomfortable conversation of this makes me feel like shit. But what are we doing about this thing that makes us feel like shit? Because we're not the ones living it. Right. So what are we? The, what are we doing for the ones that live it? Forty quotes. I do. Uh, the quote quote, and this is by unknown. It's let's stop reading statistics and start changing them. Oh, that's kind of just what I just said right now. Exactly. And- we're both, both Tubi and I are big on stats. You had the majority of the statistics for, for this particular episode, you know, and I've had stats for other episodes. I'm big on numbers because for me, it's like, I understand the problem, like what led to it, how, like, what is the profundity of the situation? Right. Because everything is perspective and it's really easy to hear information or share information and have somebody be like oh wow well, yeah that's deep you know when you put names and numbers and faces to a situation i think 
you, when you humanize the situation, when you remind, when we remind each other that this is happening to other people, other living beings, because we've also talked about animals, you know what I'm saying? That's important. So it's not just, I feel, I feel, I feel. We're big on sharing our feels, but we're also really big on sharing like, yo, it's a thing. And we may not have all of the information. So it, it, this is, consider this a catalyst for your own research if this is something that you want to be more active. So I have 10 reasons. This isn't a quote, so I'll leave that one for last. My other quote is, we cannot rely upon the silenced, not the silent, to tell us that they are suffering. That's why we have those red flags. That's why, um, you know, so many of these raids and information has been put out there so that we can start recognizing it and help those that unfortunately can't do much to help themselves. Exactly. And I go back. Of course, a Brené Brown quote. <laughs> uh, sometimes the bravest and most important thing you can do is just show up. Um, we're very grateful for those of you who tuned in. Again, we understand for the, those that didn't, couldn't. Um, so, but showing up can look a multitude of ways. It can mean showing up to this podcast. It can mean showing up to a talk that's happening online about human trafficking. It could mean, you know, donating, whatever. It, you know, showing up just means acknowledging that this is happening and that it is wrong. Last but not least, 10 reasons human trafficking is a problem. It is a, like Chubi said, billion dollar industry affecting 161 countries and we need to put an end to it. Number one, it preys on vulnerable, weak, poor, abused, and the young. It takes away the person's dignity, their human dignity. It imprisons a person both mentally and physically. It's a lucrative industry for perpetrators, all at the expense of the innocent. It robs children of their childhoods. It can happen to anybody, and they have anybody in all caps. It destroys a person's trust in humanity. This trust is difficult to rebuild even after being rescued. It can leave victims with life-threatening diseases, including, including HIV and AIDS. It has, that it has a way of silencing the victim and the witness further propagating the crime and that it's wrong, morally, legally, spiritually, ethically, and physically wrong. Oh, it's, it's one of those things and I had this, and I won't say with who, but I had this discussion today of like someone would felt like excusing like the past, and I'm talking about past, past, beginning of our country past for certain actions because they did so good in other things. But that could, you know, if we think about it that way, then we're giving that abuser the right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because they think, you know, the victim feels like they helped me, they took care of me, and in actuality, they, they weren't. So I think we've 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 learned that a lot of these things that started as a kind of tradition in the past that because of ignorance or or because of the time was acceptable to them we've learned with time that it is not acceptable and that we don't need to 
continue to propagate that kind of mentality. It's so, difficult with these kinds of topics to not sound preachy because I hear myself. I'm like, I sound preachy and I don't mean to. Right. I mean, we're just sharing what we know, what we see, what we heard. And we're just sharing, just trying to, you know, relate this with people, you know. So and when you have this much information. Right, right. More that still hasn't even been shared, you know. An hour is not nearly enough to discuss all these things, but it's definitely a good place to start, uh, you know. And if you guys have things to share with us, by all means, you know that our DM is open to you. Please share books, articles, organizations. So um, the last thing I'm going to share with you guys is... The National Human Trafficking Hotline, the number is going to be on our screen, 1-888-373-7888. This is just the national. I don't have one um, international. Um, they're open 24 hours, seven days a week, English, Spanish, and 200, 200 more languages. The website is humantraffickinghotline.org. If you know anybody, if you see someone, say something. Someone reaches out to you and they're like, I need help. And there, there's that number. And if you want the the website, so you guys, it's going to be right there at the bottom. So you guys could go into it. It has a lot of information. And um, just read. Yes, it's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. Final thoughts? If you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, to reach out to anybody. Um, start recognizing the signs of, of this grooming process. I'm not saying don't trust anybody. I'm not saying to be, you know, cynical now and be like, oh, screw the world. You can't, you know, obviously there's a few people that you can't trust. But every time you meet a stranger, whether it be across the freaking world online, just be hypervigilant about who they are and you know and make sure that you do know them and you try to get to know them really well before you give them any information about yourself before you start spending any money on anything before you start asking them for x y and z just be hyper vigilant and take care of yourself you know and i don't know just vanessa um for me, my final thought is I invite us all to consider that this is not a foreign situation uh, and it is not a problem that is quickly passing. It's something that definitely needs attention and needs to be ended because the more people have gotten away with it and it's become so massively profitable to them, um, the more and and nothing uh, gets you know seriously done. Um, lives are at risk, lives are at stake, and the more it'll just become a thing. And you know, we all deserve an opportunity to have a life free to do as we please and to you know pursue our goals. Nobody should be in a situation where their life belongs to someone else and that they know nothing else but 
uh, abuse and hurt and, you know, and suffering. That's it. Today was a heavy episode. I I received a lot of information. I gave a lot of information. You received a lot of information, Chubi. Gave a lot of information. I hope we can sit with that and that uncomfortability and know that in all of it, we, there's something we can each do in our own way. So with that being said, stay fearless, everybody. <laughs>